those of us who call Mission Church our church home, thank you uh, for gathering with us. We've got one important truth today, and that important truth is that Jesus is alive. And if Jesus is alive, ladies and gentlemen, then that changes everything. It changes the way you work. It changes the way you do marriage. It changes the way that you raise your children. It changes your singleness. It, it changes your neighborhood. It, it, it changes Niger, and it changes Bowling Green, Kentucky. And so we gather as sinners and saints in this room today. But us saints that are here are celebrating the truth of the resurrection that early on a Sunday morning, the tomb was empty because Jesus is alive. He is risen. And when Jesus is risen, he is risen indeed. If you have your Bibles, you can turn with me to the book of 1 Corinthians. And I'm going to ask you this morning in honor of God's word that you would stand with me for the reading of this scripture. If you don't have a Bible, there's probably one next to you. You can use that Bible. If you don't have a Bible as your own, that is our gift to you. It says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 50 through 58. I tell you this, brothers, flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not sleep, but we shall be changed. In the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, and we shall be changed, for this perishable body must be put on the imperishable. And this mortal body must put on immortality. When the perishable puts on the imperishable and the mortal puts on immortality, then shall come to pass the saying that it is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? The sting of death is in sin. And the power of sin is in the law. But as we're going to focus on today, but thanks be to God. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is is not in vain. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, you are God. We are not. This is your word. It is your truth. On today of all days, we celebrate the claims and the work of Jesus, that he is creator, that he is 
Lord, that he is king, that he is the resurrected one, that he is the victorious one. And so we come here not as a dead people, but as people who are made alive through the person and work of Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray that this would never be routine, that it would never be simply a holiday, but Lord Jesus, that 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 same power that breathed new life into Jesus, the same power that gripped his heart and caused it to beat once again, the same power that gave him strength and dead bones and dead muscles that allowed himself to unwrap himself and to come up out of that tomb victorious, beating, completing, the plan of God. And Lord Jesus, we look forward to this morning the returning of our King and of our Savior to restore all things and give us right relationship eternally with you, Jesus, with you, God, with you, Holy Spirit. And so, Lord, may you save the lost and may you sanctify the saved. In Jesus' name, we pray. Amen. Amen. Man, can you imagine this morning, if you can't tell, I'm a little fired up, it's, it's, it's Resurrection Sunday. It, it, I cannot imagine what it must have been like for a few ladies and for Peter and John as they got up on that first Resurrection Sunday when they went the, to view the tomb for the very first time. It must be difficult for us to comprehend as believers this side of the resurrection on what the last few days for those few followers must have been like. Jesus, their teacher, their friend, their Lord, whom they believe would lead them out of bondage and slavery, is dead. Jesus isn't kind of dead. Jesus lays in that tomb limp, dead body covered in dirt and blood. And, and they pried the nails out of the wooden cross beam and get him rushed into this borrowed tomb before the Sabbath started at dusk. They wash his wounds and begin the process of wrapping him in burial cloths. Through their grief, through their tears, they come to this reality. I can only imagine that they are inconsolable like us. They have quickly forgotten the words of Jesus. This was not just a new acquaintance to them. It was not someone they had just met. It was someone that they had lived with for three years. They ate with Jesus. They laughed with Jesus. They watched him perform innumerous miracles. They had an intimate relationship with him. Have you ever noticed that in the South, if, if someone tells you that they've lost someone, maybe a, a, a relative or a close friend, immediately sometimes what they'll say is, well, I didn't really know them. And you can kind of even feel when they say that, kind of some air lift out of the conversation. Because it doesn't seem to be as bad if they really didn't know them. Well, that was not the case of these brothers and sisters. They knew Jesus. They walked with Jesus. They did not read his sermons. They heard his sermons. Also, they must have wondered, well, what do we do now? 
Many of them had left their families and enriched their lives. They had left their jobs. Does Peter go back fishing? Does Matthew return to the crooked profession of collecting taxes? Verbally or non-verbally, if they are anything like us, they are thinking he's dead. It's over. Maybe we were wrong. This has got to be some sort of nightmare for us. Maybe these last three years of our lives have simply been wasted. What do we do? How can this be true? It must be some sort of mistake. Scripture tells us that the women went on the first day of the week at dawn to place spices on the body, probably about a hundred pounds worth of, of, of perfumes on his body. It was customary to provide, prepare the body in this way, but again, they probably did not have time due to Jesus dying late afternoon, right before the Sabbath began at dusk. Upon arriving at the tomb, they find that the stone is is rolled away, and that Jesus' body isn't there. I love that in the Gospel of Luke, he says that the women are perplexed. That's probably an understatement to what was really taking place in the lives of these ladies. But let us not be mistaken, ladies and gentlemen. That stone that morning was not rolled away so that Jesus could get out of it. That stone was rolled away on that first resurrection Sunday for us to peer into it to realize that our Lord, our Savior, our Jesus is not there. He is risen. He is not dead. He is alive. Why do you seek the living among the dead. He is not here. He is risen. Jesus claimed to be God, and on this day, he proved it through the resurrection. See, many men have died for great causes, and it would have been a great thing, I guess, for Jesus to have died for his cause, and yet it was his resurrection that proved who he was, and Jesus is God. Jesus arose from that tomb as victor over the dark domain of sin and Satan and death. The battle was not lost. The war has been won. There is victory in Jesus. He is our triumphant king. The Bible tells us that all authority on earth has been given to who? Who? Jesus. All authority, all power from the very dust mites that fly through this room to the very movement of your chest to take a breath to the very water that trickles on the lake to every fish that swims in it is held there by the sovereign hand of our God, the resurrected Lord, and his name is Jesus. He controls everything. He has gathered his church. He defeats the enemy. He is not rotting in the ground, but he is sitting on a throne. Why? Because in Jesus' victory, 
Everything changes. Now, y'all got to not be bad this this morning. This is the one time we put on a suit, but I want you to know it's a resurrection day. This all culminates as we gather every Sunday, 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 as small Easter moments to reflect on the power of the resurrection. Jesus destroys the effects of sin on his people and creation by doing what? By making all things new. What did our passage tell us? But thanks be to God who gives us victory through the Lord Jesus Christ. If there is a winner in the resurrection of Jesus, then that means there must also be a loser. See, the resurrection is God's victory, is Jesus' victory over God's enemies. Can you only imagine what Friday afternoon must have been like for Satan, for the demons, for those who opposed Jesus? There must have been very much of a, of a party in that realm of things as, as the great serpent believes that he has had his day. Victory is Mine, as he celebrates and as he looks to this idea of placing Jesus upon the cross. And yet on this day, on this day, that, that plan is ruined. That party is over. Jesus has defeated sin, it says in Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 11. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like this, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old selves were crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. So that we can no longer be enslaved to sin. For one who has died has set free from sin. Now if we have died with Christ, we believe that he will also live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin. Once and for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you must also consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, if you are followers of Jesus, I want you to know that on Resurrection Sunday, that very first one when Jesus came up out of that tomb, that he has defeated sin at its very root, that that nature can be removed from us through Christ Jesus, that you and I and those balls and chains, the things that captivate us in those sins and tempt us in those sins, that Jesus showed up on the seen in what you received through your first parents, Adam and Eve, as sin entered into all humanity. Jesus, for his bride, for his church, for his people, has 
defeated sin. It's done. Victory is the Lord's. The curse of sin is broken. You do not have to walk in the ways of that life, but our sin, the curse that we have been given is broken. The power of sin is defeated. Satan himself, Satan declared war on God in the heavenly realm by wanting to be God. So what did God do? God cast him to the earth with a large portion of the angels. Once getting here to this, this earth, um, Satan continues. And this new battlefield is on the earth where Satan has attempted to attack God, but he could not win. And so what does Satan do? Satan attacks God's creation. Satan comes to Adam, he comes to Eve, and, and he tempts them to be God, to not trust God, and they take of the fruit. Adam and Eve, they choose lies over truth, they choose pride over humility, they choose death over life, Satan over God, and it broke creation, it broke humanity. Again, Satan appears to win on the cross. But even in Genesis, God promises that one day, from Adam, from Eve, that one day there will be one that is born, singular, that is born. And it's called, it's called the Proto-Evangelion. It's the, the first picture of the gospel that we see in, in all of Scripture, that from the very beginning... That God had a plan. And that plan was that he was going to redeem his people through and by sending himself in the person and work of Jesus. And that Bible tells us in Genesis chapter 3 there that this is what's going to happen. That one day, a long time from now, there will be one. He will come and that, that serpent is going to bruise his heel. But he, the king... The Son of God, the Messiah, would one day take that bruised hill and crush the head of that serpent. And probably in some sort of, of biblical way or, or, or symbolic way, as Jesus died and as he was resurrected, when he stepped forth from that tomb, he squashed, killed, defeated the enemy. He has, he has relinquished all of his power, and, and Jesus reigns supremely over that guy. Jesus crushes the head of the serpent, the enemy, the devil, the tempter, the murderer, the father of lies, the adversary, the accuser, the destroyer, the protector, the great dragon, the evil one. Guess what, ladies and gentlemen? It's a day to celebrate because that dude is done. He has been defeated. Hell was created for him and his enemies and those who do not follow Jesus. And I want you to know, he has gotten his. Jesus is the victorious one. He is, because he is alive and he is God. Death has been defeated. In Colossians chapter 2, verses 13 through 15, it says this, and you who were dead in your trespasses, 
and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made alive together with him, having forgiven us of all of our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to shame by triumphing, triumphing over them in him. Jesus has come. He has accomplished his task. Sin, Satan, death. We feel death at this moment, and it, it, it can be frightening, it can be fearful, and yet for those of us that are in Christ Jesus have been given a great hope through Jesus and his resurrection. And that is that one day, ladies and gentlemen, as we take our last breath in these these clothes and this this body that we are currently wearing is that God is going to give us a new body. He's going to give us a new name and all of these promises rest in the resurrection of Jesus. The victory of the resurrection not only destroys God's enemies but this this resurrectional this resurrection victory also restores God's people. See, sin has left us in bondage, hasn't it? Sin can control our intellect. It's broken. Sin can control our hearts. The Bible even tells us that they are deceitful. Sin can control our emotions. They can be extremely erratic. And if you have a daughter, you know what I'm talking about. It can even distort our very will. Ephesians would say it like this, we were dead in our sin following the course of this world, worshiping Satan and sons of disobedience. Ladies and gentlemen, do you know that if you do not follow Jesus, if you do not worship him with your life, that you literally worship Satan? And that was us. That was us. That is how you and I lived. That is how we were. For those of us in Christ Jesus, though, something has changed. The victory of the resurrection has changed us. Left to ourselves, we are in sin. We are Satan's captives. They will not relinquish us, and we cannot relinquish ourselves. And yet Jesus proclaims early on in his ministry this, in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Why? Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovering of sight to the blind. To set at liberty those who are oppressed. Jesus came to seek and to save the lost. To set the captives free. He is our warrior king who freely laid down his life. But ladies and gentlemen, I don't care what popular society says to you. Though he laid down his life, that tomb is empty. And he picked back up his own life to live again. To liberate us from the very sin that we crave. But thanks be to God gives us victory through Jesus. For those who are in Christ, we have been saved and the promises are true. 
Now, ladies and gentlemen, I, I grew up in Franklin, Kentucky, so don't hold that against me, in a, in a small country church with a lot of lovely people, very sweet people. And, and you know how things get ingrained into your mind? I was sitting yesterday, and I was, I was pondering on the scripture, and I was, I'll be really honest, I was really, really struggling with what to share here this morning, because honestly, I don't know how you get any deeper than he is risen. Drop the mic, sit down, let's sing. But I was thinking about my life, and I, I grew up in a, and, and we would sing, we didn't really sing a lot of traditional hymns and those sorts of things, but, but we would sing different songs, and I was sitting at Starbucks yesterday afternoon, and man, I was, I was literally just sweating, not because it was nice outside, but because I'm going like, God, like, you're, you're risen, what else do I say? And this place is packed out. And I got to thinking about my childhood. And I got to thinking about songs that we used to sing. And these images, especially on Resurrection Sunday, typically meant I was wearing a fake beard at some point during that day. And there was going to be a dude that looked like Jesus. And we were going to nail him to a cross some way. And we were going to celebrate him. But I remember some of those songs and, and watching people sing these songs. And all of a sudden, I believe that the Spirit of the Lord began to, to move on me and to speak to me in the middle of Starbucks. And I got to thinking about this song. Oh, victory in Jesus. My Savior forever. He sought me and he bought me with what? With his redeeming blood. He loved me ere I knew him. And, and, and all my love is, is what? It's, it's due to him. Come on, you know it. It is due to him. And then what does it say? He plunged me to victory beneath the cleansing Flood, and as I'm, I'm sitting there, and I've been asking brothers to pray for me because I was struggling. I've been asking my wife to pray for me because I was, I was struggling. And God brought back to my memory that song of victory in Jesus. And we were going to get real holy when the Spirit moved. We double timed it, right? And you got to feeling it. And I grew up my entire life going to that church and not a Christian. And at 19, found myself saved by Jesus. And I've known this song all of my life, but it was not until a Starbucks over a large iced caramel macchiato yesterday in front of tons of people that God showed me once again the power of the victory in Jesus and that he sought me and that he bought me with his redeeming blood. What does he say? He said, he loved me ere I knew him. What does that mean? Before I ever even knew Jesus, he knew me. He chose me. His sovereign grace captivated my heart before I was even born. Man, he had, he had done this before the foundations of the world. And I got to sing in this song in my mind. And then you have seen it, some of you. I got to ugly crying so bad in the middle of Starbucks that I'm, I had to get up and leave because I was 
I was at the point of convulsing. I was just waiting for somebody to say, what is wrong with that brother? And I would say, I got victory in Jesus. Those were not tears of mourning. They were not tears of pain yesterday. They were tears at the realization as we have read here in this passage. But thanks be to God who gives us victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I love that image where it says, he, he's got you, right? And he plunges me to victory. He, he takes us there. You can't take yourself. He does. He takes us to victory in and through himself. Notice Paul in this passage in Corinthians is, is not celebrating our victory as Christians over death. Who is he celebrating in the passage? Jesus' victory. He is celebrating God's victory. And, and because God is victorious in that moment, because Jesus is victorious in that moment, because the Holy Spirit is victorious in that morning, in that moment, he stands in victory. And because of that, our sin's curse has lost its grip on me. As his people, and only as his people, do we get to now partake in the king's spoils of victory. Peter would tell us in Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 5, Blessed be to God and Father, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, according to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again. Who has caused it to happen this morning? God has. Jesus has. He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is in perishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. If you have been saved this morning, may you realize what Jesus has done, that you could not do it for yourself. He has plunged you into victory. And whose victory is it? It is is Jesus's. Brothers and sisters, if you have been saved, you have won because Jesus has won. Brothers and sisters, on Resurrection Sunday, we shout out to God this morning with a voice of triumph. We worship Jesus in a, in a world where, man, it can be easy to look at the, the political scene and, and get really antsy about that. It can get really difficult to look into your bank account and get really antsy about that. Man, you can be in a relationship that is tough. You can be in a situation at home and in your life that you are deeply wrestling with. I, I get it, but I want you to know that if you are in Jesus, do not lose hope, brothers and sisters. Do, do not become fearful to the point of not moving forward, but fear God, worship Him, celebrate Him, because He has one, he is victorious. Christ is our victory. Christ is our victory. Christ is our victory. And we join with saints who have always been, they call this one time, the, the Christus victor. It is the truth of the reality that Christ is our victory. And we join with hundreds of thousands of millions of people who have been changed since Genesis and all the way to the end of Revelation, whether they were a hundred years ago, thousands of years ago, Jesus is 
in the saving business, and he completed it and promised it and fulfilled it through the cross and resurrection. And so we stand here in his victory. We rest in the truth as a believer that if you are saved this morning, it is because Jesus has won you. He's won you. That was ugly cry round two tomorrow, yesterday, excuse me, it'll probably be tomorrow too. Because guess what? He's risen tomorrow too. He's still alive then. But I want you to get this, and I know this is really poor English, okay? So teachers, hold up. But the realization that Christ is my victor, that that if I'm following Jesus, I want you to get this this morning. If you're following Jesus, I want you to know, it doesn't matter if you're boy, girl, black, white, you, they are all precious in his sight. That if, if Jesus has changed your life, do you know the really reason only why you are in that place? It is not because you walked some aisle. It is not because you repeated some prayer. It is not because you signed some membership covenant. I want you to know it is because the God Almighty, victorious King, He has won you. And if He has won, it's done. It's done. You will always be one because He has won. We do not walk in defeat. We walk in in Jesus's victory and when we fall down we can get up because Jesus is victorious we fall down we get up why because Jesus is victorious we make war against sin Satan and death why because they are rotten scoundrels and on when Jesus stepped out of that tomb I want you to know that he looked at that liar and he said you're done he he looked at the one who has been lying to you and he said you're done he's he's looked at the one that's trying to destroy your family and he said you're done. He, he's looked at the one that's trying to destroy your life, and he said, you're done. He looked at death. He looked at cancer. He looked at heart attacks. He looked at all those things, and he said, in my name, by my power, by my will, those are all done in Jesus' name because he has won. On Friday at our Good Friday service, I read a quote from Dr. Moore, and I tricked you. I didn't read it all because I was going to read it today. It says this, First thing is this, to realize that on Good Friday means that this is the worst thing that could ever happen to us. Has already happened to you. In Jesus Christ, we have been crucified under the wrath of God for our sins, and we have already faced the penalty that was due to us for those sins. And he goes on to talk about Sunday morning, Resurrection Sunday. And Easter Sunday means this, that the best thing that could ever happen to us has already happened too. We have been raised from the dead in Christ. We have been seated in the heavenly places with Christ. And we are now waiting for our inheritance in who? In Christ. If Jesus is alive this morning, then that changes everything. Everything. Friends, I want you to understand this this morning. The resurrection of Jesus and his claims is not something that you can be passive about. A man in history cannot stand up and claim to be God, die and be resurrected, as he said it would, visit with hundreds of people over the course of 40 days. And that truth, or that statement, not 
demand a response. If you're a believer in this room, I want to encourage you to do something this morning. Man, it is time for us as Christians to start living and walking in Jesus' victory. We are not a defeated people. We may be the minority, but I want you to know, because Jesus has won, we are winners. We are victorious. We are His people. We will forever be His people. He calls you child. He calls you son. He calls you daughter. He is coming back for His bride. So let us not fear those who can put our bodies to death, but may we only fear God. May we only worship God. May we live in confidence as a community of believers. Even if our numbers in America get smaller, I want you to know that God is greater than all of those things. And it is at moments, typically, when we're the minority, that we have the greatest impact to live as a resurrection believers. He has given us a mission. And so we join, as, as Mark was praying, we join with people from all over the globe this morning, celebrating the person and work of Jesus. Let it not become hardened. Let your not heart not become hardened to the truth and the beauty of victory in Jesus. If you're not a believer that's in this room, if you're not a believer, I compel you. You must understand this. God is God. He is creator. We are broken we are fallen. We're eternally separated from God in and of ourselves. There is nothing that we can do. You cannot be good enough. You cannot be holy enough. You cannot complete enough task for God to eventually say, okay, you then are approved. Jesus, God, the Holy Spirit, knowing that, willingly comes, lives a perfect life, dies the death that you should have died. He, in some ways, took on hell itself. The full wrath of God was poured into Jesus. The, the, the too many drinks he, he's taken. The, the, the too many, uh, you know, lustful thoughts he has taken. The gossip, the slandering, the power, the, the love of money, all those things he takes upon himself, though he knew not sin himself, became sin for his people. He died the death. That was your cross. That was my cross. And he gladly lays down his life. And on the third day, got up in victory. To restore you to a right relationship with God. That one day, when you stand before God, you will not plead that you are a good person. You will not plead your good works. You will stand before an almighty God. And you will either stand before him trying to prove your worth. Or you will stand before him as a, as a humble beggar saying, I am terrible and wretched. But Jesus the lamb that was slain, the victorious king, the one of ones, the, the, the great I am. I rest not in my good works, but in his perfect will and work. 
through the power of the resurrection, we see that truth come to fold. And those of us who are believers now look forward to that day when he will return. Brothers and sisters, friends, if you are lost and unknown without Jesus, may you repent. May you turn to Jesus and truly learn what Resurrection Sunday is all about. Jesus, our victory. Jesus, the risen one. And he, ladies and gentlemen, is risen indeed. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you, to seek your face, God, to rest in your resurrection, to find our hope not in ourselves, but our hope in the person and work of Jesus. Lord, we are thankful, God, that you are victorious. May you break hearts in this room. May you turn them from hearts of stone into hearts of flesh, God, giving them the ability to repent illuminate the truths of the cross and resurrection may this go beyond something we do in our culture but may it be a true transformation because you lord you are our victorious lord and there is victory in you and lord we celebrate your love and the fact that you have taken us and plunged us into victory we are humbled by this truth, Lord. May you save the lost. And may you encourage the believer. In Christ's name, amen. Pastor Justin.